Hi, I'm Kevin Harrington, an original shark from the hit television show Shark Tank, and you're listening to the Underdog Podcast. I've been too high up to fall, question marks, what's up with y'all? All we know is over time, barking like some underdogs. Underdogs, underdogs, underdogs. All we know is over time, barking like some underdogs. Underdogs, 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 underdogs. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Underdog Podcast. Today, I have an incredible guest here with me. Brian, how are you, my friend? Pamela, I am great, and thank you for having me today. We're going to have some fun. Yes, thank you so much for being here. I was reading up all about you before today, obviously, and I was like, dang, he's a badass. Like, I can't wait to hear his story and all the amazing things that he's been up to, and it's just super exciting to hear inspirational stories like yours. So thank you so much for being here. And, you know, speaking of inspiration... You know, I I want to kind of know where this all started for you, Brian. What inspired you on your journey to where you are today? Because you've had a hell of a trajectory. Yeah, today. so I call myself the most unconventionally educated business person you've probably met. I'm the guy that failed out of high school when I was 16, managed to graduate with a 1.2. That's like a D plus for anybody you want to do the math on that. Got kicked out of the house, didn't have any place to go. So I had to join the military, needed to eat and sleep, right? So I did a year on active duty, switched back to the National Guard, started trying to get a job. I kept getting fired. I think it's funny because as a backstory, today I own a chain of restaurants. Well, back then I got a job as a waiter and I got fired because after working a double shift for all you people who have ever been a server before, I worked a double shift and I owed them $6. I don't know how that's possible, but I owed the restaurant money at the end of the day. So the owner was like, I don't think this is a career for you. So anyway, I finally ended up, I was like, you know, I'm such a bad employee and I have such a bad attitude and a chip on my shoulder and I didn't really have any education. So I figured the best thing I could do is start my own business. And the easiest one to start was landscaping because anybody can mow grass and dig a hole. So that's what I did. But at the same time, I was reading, like absorbing like a sponge positive mental attitude books and business books and self-help books and how to be better and how to, you know, how to make yourself, how to get what you want in life. And so over the next seven years, I ended up building this company into a seven location franchise and thought I was doing really good until it collapsed and I lost everything. That was two very, very important lessons in life that I've carried with me throughout my business career. Changed professions and got into the insurance business and uh, on a fluke found out that I could sell, which who knew? Uh, It was one of those things. My daughter asked me once, Daddy, you must have had some skills back then. You must have been able to do something. I said, you know, apparently I could sell. I just didn't know it. Mm. Right. So people have untapped resources that they don't know about that they're really good at sometimes. And apparently mine was sell. So I went into insurance sales and a year and a half later, the dot-com boom was coming up and I had good timing and sold my first company to a venture capital firm. Mm. That was an education. Started another one and sold it to a venture capital firm, started another company in internet marketing, and I sold it to a private equity firm and started another one, sold it to an Indian-based call center company, went into consulting, because by the time you sell a couple of companies, everybody in corporate America thinks you're really, really smart. (laughs) I I used to laugh. I I remember the first time I'm standing in a boardroom talking to the C-level suite people, right? And this is like four years after I was mowing grass. I remember thinking, sitting, I remember standing there talking to people thinking, I probably used to mow your grass. And now I'm standing in your boardroom telling you what your company's doing wrong. It was just, you know, one of those surreal moments. So I did that, consulted for a while, and then bought some restaurants. I own a chain of restaurants, I own a real estate company, 
wrote my three books, got into politics. I serve on city council now, which is another interesting thing from the kid who failed out of high school to helping manage a $150 million budget, 450 employee city of 75,000 people. That's another one that's kind of weird in my life. So that's kind of a two minute, two minute journey from the start to where I am today. And now I'm sitting here talking to you on a podcast and who knew we'd be here today, Pamela. I know my goodness, this is so amazing. And I'm so intrigued by your story. So who inspired you at such a young age? Like when you were young, so I'll give you two things. So originally my grandfather, who was in eighth grade education, I believe, served in the Merchant Marines in World War II. And I used to go spend the summers with him in Mississippi. And he had his own businesses. He had a couple of little car lots. He had a construction company. He had a bulldozer company. They used to plow roads or whatever they call it. I remember thinking when I was growing up, how cool is it that we just kind of get up, we go, go jump in the truck. And we go to get some breakfast someplace. You get little honey buns for breakfast when I was like nine years old. And then we go around and do stuff all day, right? And then I'd go home. My parents would be going to work every day back and forth. I remember thinking, I don't want to go to work. I want to do what granddaddy does. I think that ingrained in my bread very early, this entrepreneurial thing. And then by the time I got out of high school, I came from a very abusive home, bad background, chip on my shoulder, no education. Yeah. I think, you know, my inspiration was weird as it is to say that I needed to prove to the world, everybody else, my teachers, the people I knew in school, people I grew up with, that I wasn't the piece of garbage that everybody thought I was, right? So I had this mm. massive motivational drive to go prove that I wasn't who they thought I was. Now, Pamela, I'm going to guess you know the end of this story. And the end of the story is that the day you figure out that it's not everybody else you're trying to prove to, trying to prove that to yourself. Right. It's your own self-image that's the problem. And I had to prove to myself that I wasn't that person that I thought I was. Those people weren't even thinking about me. They forgot about me a long time ago, but I spent 20 years trying to prove to them that I was you know, going to be successful. And I was, right. and then I realized it was me the whole time that had the problem. A little bit right. of psychology there for you. Yeah. My goodness. My goodness. No, that's Thank you so much for sharing that. They say a lot of the times that our subconscious brains are programmed before we're seven years old, yeah. right? And so 95% of our conscious programming happens before that. So like 95% of what we do and think right now is what we've learned before we were seven, unless we've unlearned it. We call this the difference between nature and nurture. So there is a bit of nature and nurture. So you're going to experience this. I have two kids, a boy and a girl, raised in the same home with the same parents and the same background, and the same upbringing, totally different. It's amazing mm -hmm. how your two children can be exactly the same and yet be so different. And right. that is the nature portion of it. And then there's the nurture portion about what you teach your children and, and the things that they learn just by being around you. And I call this the personal filter for everybody that understands a little bit of what I'm talking about here. But you today are a, pro are a product of every single piece of information that's ever gone into your head. When yes. you were born, your parents put information in there, right? And when you went to school, your teachers put information. And by the way, the information your teachers put in and your parents put in came from their parents and their friends and when they were growing up. And then your peers give you peer pressure and you go to college and your professors put information in, by the way, based on their teachers, their parents, their friends, their peer pressure. And so these millions of inputs that are coming through you at you your whole life creates yeah. this filter and I call it the personal filter in your subconscious that literally accepts and rejects information in real time without you even thinking about it. 
And it will determine whether you're going to be successful or unsuccessful. It determines whether you're a jerk or a nice person. It determines how you raise your children. It determines how you deal with people. Everything in your life is determined by that filter. And that filter is a product of everything you've allowed into your brain. And that filter can change. You're going to listen to this podcast. I tell people all the time, somebody out there is listening to this and they're going, this guy's full of crap. I don't believe that. Well, that's because your filter is rejecting it. And somebody out there is going, you know what? I've never thought about that. That's amazing. You're right. That's because their mm -hmm. filter is accepting it. And as your filter accepts and rejects information, it continually evolves and changes. And that's how people grow and progress in life. If they allow themselves to grow and progress, it's because their filter grows and progresses. So I love that subject because it's, I mean, it's mindset that really shifted mm -hmm. you from where you were into getting into your first business, right? You're like, I'm unemployable. So you're like, I went into landscaping and then you kind of dove from theirs. What were some of the most important lessons you learned early on? You see all those books behind me? Oh, that's, yeah. I tell my children, that's my brain. My brain is a product of, of a 250 books that I've read over and over and over on success, motivation, positive mental attitudes, self-help, business, mm -hmm. et cetera. I didn't know anything, right? I failed out of high school. So I learned from the masters right there behind me. Amen. And Amen. they form the way you think. That's just what they do. And I tell people all the time, the difference between you today and you five years from now are going to be the books you read, the people you associate with. And in today's society, the podcast you listen to, because yeah. that's information is going to go in your brain and change the way you think. And that will determine how much more successful you can be at whatever it is you want to do. Absolutely. Early on, what was some of, or the most important or some of the most important principles that you learned early on as you were getting into starting your businesses and then getting into these mindset books, as it sounds like they played a huge role in your entrepreneurial yeah. career. The big one is that your future is up to you, right? So I've got my favorite business books. Your future is up to you. I don't care where you came from or what you think your problems were. I grew up in an abusive home, physical, mental, sexual abuse. I was broke. I got kicked out of high school. I have no education. I failed. I had a daughter that had to have open heart surgery. I had no money, no insurance. My bank canceled my account because I bounced 130 checks one month. I have had every single financial health and, and setback in my life. And yet I still was able to succeed at a level far above what most people can do, right? It's not about your background. It's not about your history. It is always, always, always about your future. And it's the decision you make today and the way you change your thinking, your, your perception, that's going to allow you to progress forward. So the biggest things I learned early on were that I can do it. There, It is possible. You know, being around people that tell me, Brian, you can do this. Pamela, you can do that. There's nothing holding you back except for how you think. If you don't think you can, right. you can't, right? That's the old adage. If you think you can, you can. If you think you can't, you can't, right? right. There's always a solution. So first is understanding that you can do things, being around people that promote that positive mental attitude. And by the way, Interesting one. I got the majority of that because I joined Amway when I was 18 years old. I was wow. in it for a few years, but what they did is they launched me into this book reading thing and association reading thing. And that's where I began that process of learning. Never made any money, but man, they changed my mental thinking in an early age that allowed me to progress. So those are the big ones. You can do anything. I tell people that all the time. Can anybody be successful, Brian? Absolutely. If you're willing to learn the lessons you need to learn, which is different than what Pamela needs, different than what I need, different than what your neighbor needs. You have a set of lessons you need to learn. And if you're willing to learn them and not quit before you get there, mm -hmm. you can be successful at anything you want to be successful at. I absolutely love that. Absolutely love that. And I love that that shaped you at such a young age because then at that point, after the landscaping, 
you've started all these other businesses, which is incredible. Well, the landscaping company ended up collapsing around me because I made two huge mistakes, which I've carried with me for the rest of my life. The first hmm. one was my business was 90% dependent on one contract. In other words, I had a business, but all my business was going through one person, one company, one gen big general contractor. And when they oh, wow. hired a new VP and he wanted to bring his own people in, he fired me. When he fired me, I lost 90% of my revenue and my company collapsed. That's a big lesson. The wow. second big lesson was I was living above my income at the time. So even though I was making good money, all coming from one contract, right? I had multiple car payments and a motorcycle payment and two house payments. And I had all credit card payments and going on vacation. When it collapsed, I had no cash, no savings, no backup, no security, no safety net. Wow. And when it collapsed and they stopped paying me, I couldn't pay my bills, my overhead, my employees. I couldn't cover those checks that I bounced. Huge mistake. You've got to protect yourself. So those are two things I learned. I, I, I've never been in a position again where the loss of a business or a contract can hurt me. I don't live mm. above my lifestyle. And I never allow one source of income to be the only source of income I've got so that I'm dependent on it. So those are huge lessons that I've carried with me forever. Those are absolutely huge. And it makes sense why you diversified into so many different revenue streams because in, in different industries too, like you've literally opened up your buckets tremendously. And how did you strategically decide what type of business to invest in or begin, you know, after, after landscape? In the beginning, literally when the landscaping failed, I jokingly say I went from seven offices down to me, a shovel and a truck, right? Wow. It was just me again, where I started just a shovel and a truck. And it was Brian out there right. doing landscaping. And my buddy came over and he said, yeah, you lost your health. And my daughter needed open heart surgery. I couldn't afford my $130 health insurance payment. So I lost my insurance and now oh. she needs open heart surgery. What am I going to do? So my buddy comes over and says, Hey man, I'll sell you an insurance policy with blue cross. You have to wait two years. Then she can get surgery. I said, okay. He said, but really you should come sell insurance with me. I was like, man, I don't want to sell insurance. That's that's I've already done car sales. I did Amway. I'm not doing insurance. That's that's a horrible idea. And he said, look at this big check. And he showed me his check. And I was like, that's a big check, but I still don't want to do it. And he kept coming back every month for like six months. And after about the sixth month, he said, look at this big check. And I said, okay, I'll try it. So I'll sell insurance at night and I'll do landscaping during the day. And so I started that. And six weeks later, I was making more money selling insurance than I was all day landscaping. So that was a no-brainer decision. I should quit the landscaping and just do the insurance. It wasn't because I liked insurance. I've never done a business I like. I've never got into something because I was passionate about it. That was never a contributing factor in my life. It's what can I do to make enough money to do what I need to do? Mm. And, and in this case, it was insurance. Again, don't need an education. But I started that insurance company and the dot-com boom was coming. And I just so happened to develop something that had never been done before. And a year and a half later, I got bought. And that hmm. introduced me to a whole new world of venture capital. So I like to say, Pamela, that the success in life or success in anything you're doing is a progression, right? You start at the bottom, but it's a progression to get to the top. Nobody goes from zero to a hundred in one day. We got to progress. And everything I've ever done, I progressed. I failed. I learned. I failed. I learned. I failed. I learned. I progressed. I progressed. I progressed. I get into venture capital. Then I get to do that again. Then I do private equity. And then I get into consulting. And it's just a progression. Who knew I'd be here today? I know it's absolutely amazing. And like, cause that's, that's what I was like, I was like landscaping to software. Yeah. How did that happen? <laughs> you know, how did that, cause those are totally different skill sets. Like, you know, you're dealing with code, you're dealing with all of this, but it's stuff not, like, no, this is the key. Hmm. I do not know anything about restaurants. I don't know how to cook. 
That stove over there, never been used. Not once, ever. Don't cook. I don't know how to make drinks. Don't put me behind a bar. I don't know how to run anything to do with a restaurant. I don't know how to do coding. I don't know how to do anything on the internet. I can barely work my cell phone, and yet I sold an internet company. Because business is not about the technical skills. Business is about business. I like to see all the time that my restaurant managers might be able to run a restaurant, but they can't run a business. I can run a business. I can't run a restaurant. So if you know how to run a business, those business skills apply across the board to any business that's out there. And if you know how to sell, you can sell anything out there by learning a few things about a product. So it's not a stretch to go from one business to the next, unless you're the technician and I'm not a technician. I'm a business owner. I love that. I love that. I'd love to get in the secret sauce of that. If you don't mind. <laughs> you know? I got three books. <laughs> yes. Yes. Let's uh, talk about them. Let's talk about them. Well, the first book was my story. It's called, I give the dumb kids hope. And I get a lot of flack for that. People either hate that or they love it. Cause some people think I'm talking about other children. And I'm not, I'm talking about me. I was the dumb kid. The quick story is my children went to private school. I'm a big believer in education. They both have advanced degrees. But my daughter's in high school, private school. They made these kids do four hours of homework every night. Used to frustrate the heck out of me. We'd have these little arguments. Honey, go to bed. I got to study. Honey, go to bed. I got to study. So one night I get up at 1 a.m. She's studying in the kitchen. I said, honey, you got to go to bed. She said, I have to study. I said, honey, studying is not that important. She said, you are not supporting my educational goals. I have to get good grades, get in a good college and get a good job. I said, honey, your education isn't that important. There's no difference between A or a B, I promise. She goes, yes, there is. I said, now, mind you, we're living in a 10,000 square foot house. I got an airplane, a lake house, a beach house, a boat, wave runners. I don't work. I said, if education is so important, how do you explain me? Mm. And she set up and she goes, you know, daddy, it's funny. We actually had a discussion about you in, in uh, one of my classes the other day. I said, you did? She goes, yeah, we decided you give the dumb kids hope. And I was like... That's the title of my life story. Wow. And it took me another 15 years and I ended up writing that first book. It's about my story. Wow. And then I wrote the second book was about business and it's called The Dropout Multimillionaire. It's basically a kid who has nothing, who learned to succeed with no money, no education and no clue. And the third book came out last week and it's called No. And it's the psychology of sales and negotiation because literally everything in life is about sales and negotiation. All business is about sales and negotiation. And if you can learn to do that, you can make a good living, make a lot of money, travel the world, have fun. Sales and negotiation is a key to business. So those are my three books. Absolutely love that. Do you want to get, well, because I want them to actually, I want listeners to actually buy those books. But if you can touch on like each one and kind of like summary and some nuggets from each one, I think that would be amazing. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of stuff in each one. My, my first book, I Give the Dumb Kids Hope, really was, and it's called Life Lessons. It was really originally for my children because I, like I tell my kids, look, I was around on earth 30 years before you were born, right? There's a whole other daddy you've never seen, heard of, experienced. There's another life out there. And I wanted my yeah. children, if I'm gone, think about a legacy, to be able to say, well, you know what? This is my dad. I can pick up his book. I can read about it. I know about his background. My grandchildren, there's a little bit of history on, on who I am. So I like to say, and it's all about raising kids and life lessons. I tell my children all the time, look, listen, 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 listen. This is a life lesson, right? Don't go outside in the rain with your socks on. Mm -hmm. One of my jokes. It's from Happy Days. <laughs> it's from Happy Days, by the way. One of my favorite shows growing up. 
Um, So it's all about these life lessons, right? And there's a lot of good stuff in there. It gets a little bit about the business, but one of my life lessons for children, I'll tell you an example is when you have children, you'll experience this Pamela and you'll be like, honey, don't do that. And they'll do it anyway. Don't Mm -hmm. touch the hot stove. They'll touch the hot stove anyway. I told my daughter once, I said, listen, I'm, I'm a sophisticated, educated businessman. You need to learn from other people's mistakes because that's better than learning from your own. And my daughter says, daddy, if I don't learn from my own mistakes, I'm never going to believe you. So I'm going to do it the hard way. And I was like, how do you as a parent handle your child telling you that they're just going to do it the hard way when you're, you're literally, you know, what's going to happen. You know, they're going to make a mistake. You know, it's going to go, go bad. Yep. And so one of my lessons is as a parent, you have to learn to step back far enough that your children can make those mistakes, but not so far that when they fall down, you can't pick them back up and set them back on their way. Cause that's our job as a parent. Mm. Right. So that's little things like that in the book. I love that business lessons in the second book. The big one in the second book is listen, if you want to start a business and you've never done it successfully, I'm going to give you a tip. You have no idea what you're doing. Literally none. Your personal filter we talked about is Mm -hmm. not capable of making the correct decisions because it will not process information correctly for you to make good business decisions because it has no experience doing that. And there's no experience you can get outside of business to help you in business. So if you can check your ego and realize that you don't know what you're doing, you can check your ego and you can find somebody to coach or mentor you to help you avoid the mistakes that you are absolutely going to make. You are a very smart man. You'll do things a lot faster and you'll make more money. Coaching and mentoring is like the number one thing that business uh, owners need to do. So that's, that's a big premise of that book. And the third book, sales and negotiation, it's called no for a reason, because I say no is the most powerful word in in any spoken language because no can stop a conversation. It can stop a transaction. It can stop things and give you time to evaluate, step back, and figure out what you're going to do next. As I like to say, and I stole this from Richard Branson, if your first offer in a negotiation doesn't insult them, you've offered too much. Mm. And you better learn to negotiate if you're going to be a business person before you run up against somebody who is a good negotiator because if they're a better negotiator than you, they're going to eat your lunch. Mm -hmm. They say a man with experience meets a man with money. The man with the experience will get the money. And the man with the money will get an experience. Mm. And that's the key to negotiation. You better understand what you're doing. And the fastest way to stop things if you get in trouble is just say no. And then step yeah. back. So love that. Long explanation on three books. No, that's that's so awesome. That's so awesome. And I mean, throughout your business journey and throughout your ventures, like what are the things that you look for? Because like you said, you're like, I think about the business. Like I'm not the technician behind the scenes. So it's like when you're evaluating an opportunity, like what are some key things to look for that you would advise? Maybe someone is interested in starting some type of business or just like purchasing something absentee, like what, what are your thoughts on that? So uh, we can start with acquiring a business. This is a key here, right? I'm telling you, this is a key. If you're going to acquire a business, do not buy a distressed business, horrible idea, huge mistake. Okay. Mm. Buy a distressed owner. A distressed owner means you have a business with legs, but a person who doesn't know how to run it. You buy a distressed owner. You have a business that you can walk in, make some corrections and that business will take off. Right. If I use a restaurant as an example, I know that in a restaurant, food cost has to be 30% 
liquor has to be 22% and labor has to be 28%. These are the three metrics, right? If I go look at a restaurant to buy and the restaurant's losing money, but instead of 22% liquor, it's 30. Instead of 28% labor, it's 40. And instead of 28% food, it's 35. I know the business has legs, but the owner just doesn't know how to operate the metrics within it. And if mm. I buy that business and bring those metrics back down to where they're supposed to be, I can calculate my profit. I know I have a profitable business. If the metrics are right, but we don't have enough revenue, I can't fix that. So if you're going to buy a business, buy a distressed owner, not a distressed business. That's a big key. If you're going to start a business, never start a business in the same location that the same business before it failed. And here's my example. Pamela, have you ever seen a pizza place open up in the same location as another pizza place who failed? This happens all the time. Like Joe's Pizza goes out of business. Now it's Fred's Pizza. And then they go out of business. Mm, and then it's, yep. it's Billy's Pizza. I can tell you where I live, there's a little Indian restaurant that went out of business. And guess what they put in next? Another Indian restaurant. It didn't work. And you're going to fail. Like it blows my mind that you think your Indian food's better than the last Indian food person. It's not. Right. There's not enough market for it. That's the problem. So right. those are two little tips on, on buying or starting businesses. And the third one is make sure whatever business you start is feasible, right? Does it have enough market that you can sell enough product that you can make enough money that it makes makes it worth your while? And that's a big one. Oh, I was, really? I'm fascinated when I go to the mall and I see a tie shop. Like you can't sell enough ties to pay the rent. There's, right, there's, a, right. there's, there's a little shop by one of my restaurants. They sell little six inch pies. I know their rent's 5,000 a month and the pies are $5. That means you got to sell a thousand pies with no overhead just to cover the rent, probably 10,000 pie or 2000 pies just to cover the rent. Can you imagine selling, let's see, that'd be 80 pies a day just for the rent. Forget the labor and everything else that goes into it. That's a bad business. Don't do that. That's a mistake. Right. Right. Those are absolutely brilliant points that you mentioned. Absolutely. And I mean, now, this is the the hardest thing, right? You acquire a business, start one, whatever. Then there's the whole scaling side of things. Right. <laughs> what would be your best pieces of advice with that in your experience? Well, the first question is, is it scalable, right? So mm. I'll go back to my pie shop. It's not scalable. There's no way. You, you're, you're limited in the number of people that are going to come buy your pies, right? So Right. Is your business even scalable? Let's say it's a service business and, and maybe a service business is scalable, but then you have to ask yourself, okay, am I the technician? Am I the one doing it? So if I'm a CPA and I start a, an accounting business, can I scale it? Yeah, I got to hire another CPA. Okay. Or I have to hire a baseline accountant. Okay. You might be able to do that, but is your area, your town big enough that you can scale that business, right? Right. If you're in an online business, those are almost infinitely scalable. So my old partner used to say, if we're going to do something, it has to be mass marketable, has to be a good enough price that people will buy it. And there has to be enough profit that we can make money. Those are the three things to talk about scaling a business. I met a guy the other day who owns a pest control company. And he's like, well, if I scale it, I got to move. I got to start another pest control company in another city because I've already got all the customers I can get right here. Okay. Do you want to start at another city? Do you want to open an office? Do you want to have to hire a manager that's offsite? Do you, there's so many questions you've got to go through from a scalability factor, but the very first one you need to ask yourself is, is it scalable? Right. You know, maybe it is, maybe it's not. Depends on the business you're in. Right. No, totally. Totally. And depends on how much of the work you actually do, right? Here's another mistake people make. They buy a business and they say, well, I, this 
person that owns the business is running it and the business makes a hundred thousand dollars a year. That's a good business, right? But right. if I buy it, either I have to go do all the work, which means I have to quit my job or quit what else I'm doing. And I become a solopreneur again, or I have to hire somebody. If I have to hire somebody to run that business, it's going to cost me 60 to 70 to $80,000. Now I'm buying a business. I can only make 20 grand on that ain't enough money to be worth your while. Cause if you have one bad month, you're losing money. So right. again, I tell people it gets back to coaching, find somebody who knows what they're doing and have them help you make these decisions. Don't ask your business broker. Their job is to sell you something. <laughs> right. Right. Don't ask the person you're buying it from. Their job is to sell it to you because they want the hell out. Right. And they went out for a reason, by the way, it's either not making enough money or it's way too much work. So right. understand why they're selling before you get involved. If it's a franchise, make sure it's actually a viable franchise. There's so many franchises out there that are worthless. I, I'm very hesitant on those. These are yeah. big questions you're asking. It's almost, you can't give pat answers to them. I know. No, I love it. I love it. You mentioned something about franchises. So <laughs> if someone wants to do that, what have you had any experience with those and kind of what sure. to look out for and, and what actually may be somewhat good? So my first company, I franchised it. I was a franchisor and that was a mistake because we weren't big enough for anybody who wants, thinks they're going to franchise their company. Let me tell you something. You better grow to a hundred to 200 level of franchises or your franchisees will eat your lunch you think you're going to start four or five, forget it. You don't have a franchise and you do a licensing deal, but that's a whole different discussion. I've also bought franchises. If you're going to buy a franchise. There's a couple of things you need to understand. Number one, you're signing a 10 year agreement on top of the guarantee you have to put on the lease on the building. The franchisor says that he doesn't care if you go out of business in five years, you're going to pay them another five years worth of commissions or profits on revenue. You're not even doing whether you're doing it or not. Because right. they don't care if you're profitable and they don't care if you're generating revenue, they're going to get their money. And if you don't pay them, they're going to come after you personally. So be very, very careful with a franchise. You can get into trouble with those very, very quickly. So if you're going to do a franchise, then you need to do a lot of research, find one that has a very strong background, a ton of training and a high propensity of success, right? So it's a successful, a successful franchise company. That's something that's a one-off, right? If I'm going to buy a franchise, I'm not going to buy Jolly's Donuts. I'm going to buy a Dunkin' Donuts. Right. Dunkin' costs a hell of a lot more, but guess what? It's because they're successful, right? Right. I'm going to buy a cleaning franchise. I'm not going to buy Susie's Cleaning. I'm going to buy Molly Maid because I know Molly Maid's got a proven history. And Susie's Cleaning, she just started that thing up. So mm. be very, very, very careful when you buy these things that you've got you know, support system, almost guaranteed success, et cetera. Sure. And I tell everybody this, you know, entrepreneurs, just as I've been an entrepreneur by trade since I was a kid selling lemonade when I was like <laughs> six years old. Right. So this new era of business, like there has been no, there's no better time to start a business than now because of the tech, because of the virtual, like there's so many, so many different ways to start a business at this point. And, you know, the, with the economy being what it is and what's projected to come in the next, like, you know, two years, what would be your best piece of advice for an entrepreneur right now who's looking to get started in, in any industry, you know, open up a business or what have you and how to navigate these interesting waters that yep. we have these days? So I just wrote an article for Forbes magazine. You can look it up. It's called the five keys to success, which mm -hmm. are the same five keys to failure, by the way, they go hand wow. in hand. And mm -hmm. the first thing that you need to do is tell me why you are starting this business. If you're consulting with me, my first question to you is, why do you want to start a business? And I will literally try to talk you out of it. If you go read my book, 
at the Dropout Multimillionaire, there's a whole chapter on me talking you out of business. Mm. And the reason I want to talk you out of it, because I know how hard it is. I know the challenges that you're going to come up against. I know that the world's going to be against you. I know shit's going to happen. I know the wheels are going to come off the bus. I already know that. You don't know that. You have rose-colored glasses on and you think everything's going to be awesome because you know a guy who knows a guy who was really successful, right? So I know the challenges you're going to go through. I'm going to try to talk you out of it because if I can talk you out of business, you should have never started because you're not going to have the intestinal fortitude to go through the crap to be successful. You're not going to go through the lessons you need to learn. So you really got to have a strong why. Your why's of your, why are you doing that has to be so strong you're willing to overcome all the garbage that's going to come at you when you start a business and the failures and the loss of money and all that. So number one is why are you doing this and it better be strong. Number two, I'll try to do these quick. Two, why would anybody buy your product and why would they buy it from you, right? If you're going to start up a little shop, there's probably 10 more shops around town just like you. You're going to open a pizza place, there's 10 more pizza places. Why you? Why your product? And if you can answer those two, if you have enough uniqueness and draw and something different and something that's attractive to the consumer, you might have a shot. If you can't tell me why you're better than everybody else, you got no shot. Don't do it. Number three, who are you in the business? We talked a little bit about this. And who are you not? Just because you start a business doesn't mean you know how to be a CEO. If you're a plumber and you start a plumbing business, I promise you don't know how to run a business. You know how to do plumbing, right? You're the technician. We call this the, the personalities within your business. If you're not the CEO, if you're just the plumber or the technician, you need to find somebody else that can be the, the CEO or the manager or the salesperson. You need to figure out who you are in the business and who you're not. Check your ego and be willing to bring in other people who can backfill where you're weak. Now, if you're just going to be a solo entrepreneur, I'm a CPA, I want to do accounting. Okay, great. That's good. Go do that. You'll be successful. You're trying to build a company with lots of employees. You got to figure out who you are and backfill your weaknesses with other people. So that is also a big one. The next one you need to check your ego because as I told you in the beginning, you don't know what you're doing and you need to get a coach. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. If you have 10 mistakes you're going to make in the first year, somebody who's been there and done that, don't get one of these $49 internet certificate certified BS coaches, okay? Find somebody who's been successful in business, who has succeeded and failed and can walk in and say, Pamela, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do this. Here's how you're going to do your lease. Here's how you're going to sign. Watch out for this. Watch out for that and do that. They will help you skip all the mistakes you're going to make, accelerate your profits and your growth. Your business will be 10 times better. Yes, it will cost money. And yes, it's well worth it. So that's a big one. And the last one, you need to learn how to, some, to do some accounting analysis. Mm. You might not need to know how to do the books and QuickBooks and all that mess because I don't know how to do that. But I understand the six core metrics in my business. Remember the, the restaurant? Food costs, yeah. liquor costs, labor costs. I yeah. know that they give me these three numbers each month. And I know if those numbers are off track, that's what I'm going to focus on. I don't know any of the rest of that accounting stuff. I got three people in my accounting office, but I understand enough about the numbers that I know the numbers and I know when they're going off the rails. You'd be surprised how many business owners have no clue what their numbers are. They don't know what costs, OPEX, variable, fixed. They don't know the core metrics. They don't know what they should be. They're operating on fantasy land that we're just going to be successful someday. You need to know your numbers. And if you don't, guess what you need to do? Get a coach. Yes. Somebody to come in and tell you how to do that. 
So these are my five keys to success. And also, if you don't do those, they're absolutely the five keys to failure. And they will be the reason you go down. Absolutely. I love those. I love those five keys. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for sharing that, Brian. Those are <laughs> amazing. Oh my, I'm like taking mental notes. I'm like, I gotta, I gotta write this stuff down even for myself, you know, you got a recording. Learning. You're good. Yeah, I'm good. Exactly. Exactly. Oh man. And I love, I love this question for you because I'm so intrigued to hear what you say. It's one of my favorite questions and right. it can be business, personal, whatever it is. Now, what would your older self tell your younger self based on what you know now? This is an easy question. I would say, relax. Mm. It's going to work out. Spend more time with your family. I'm divorced. One of my failures in life, right? Didn't get to see my son grow up in high school because he lived with his mom. And I did that because I was 24-7 in business. I was, I called it head down, dark to dark for 20 years. And I sacrificed time with my family. And if I had known then what I know now, I'd have spent more time with my family, a little less time on the business because it was all going to work out. So relax. It's going to work out. Spend more time with your family. Amen. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you so much for sharing that, Brian. Now, in your world, what is next? I mean, you've got so many amazing things going on, so many different businesses, like what's happening in your world, like in the next two to three months and kind of beyond that. Yep. This one's easy. So I, I made a decision about six, seven months ago that, you know, I've done corporate consulting to fortune 500 companies, driven billions of dollars in sales, bought and sold and built companies. I'm taking, I've taken all that experience and I've brought it down to what we call the well-funded startup through $10 million in revenue. And we've launched a new business mastermind and coaching program. It's called the Force Multiplier Business Mastermind and Coaching Program. So now working with entrepreneurs in this range, well-funded startups to 10 million, to teach them strategic business, to teach them high-performance sales teams, measured profitable growth, and what we call time travel, which is P&L analysis. Those things, those five keys I told you about, mm -hmm. we can look at two years previous P&Ls. We can track the six core metrics, bring them forward, and I can tell you what's going to happen in your business in the next one to two years. We can literally predict the future of your business using wow. historical PL analysis. So this is what we're doing for entrepreneurs at this level. It's a pretty cool program. The mastermind is a group of people that we do a little bit of that. Plus, of course, they we have you know the, the community aspect of the multiple business owners that are all helping each other out. I belong to masterminds. I now run my own. I belong to coaching programs. I now run my own. That's what I do now. I love that. Oh my goodness. That sounds absolutely amazing. And it's like your forte. It's what you've built up to do. I feel like with all what the experience and all the businesses, you know, everything in life has led me to this point to where I can now help other entrepreneurs do what they want to do, build their businesses. If they can check their ego and listen, mm -hmm. I can make you better. You are amazing. I absolutely love that. I absolutely love that. My goodness, my friend, it has been such an honor to have you like you are an absolute rock star. And now I know that there's listeners that are like, where can I find Brian? So where can we find you and your awesomeness, my friend? Yep. So www.brianwillmedia.com. Brianwillmedia.com is the parent company. That's got my books, my blogs, my podcasts. I run my own podcast. I've got podcasts I'm guests on. The Force Multiplier Mastermind information is on there. The coaching programs on there. Basically, everything you ever want to know is on brianwillmedia.com. I absolutely love that, Brian. Thank you again so much for being here today, my friend. You are amazing. Pamela, it was awesome. I appreciate you having me. So that's it for today's episode of Underdog. Catch us next week, always dropping on Thursdays. And remember, if you're interested in real estate or want to learn how to create more money and magic in your life, check out 
meetwithpamela.com and let's chat. Sending you so, so much love. All we know is over time, working like some underdogs.